0: Hello. She was a level-headed dancer on the road to alcohol, and I was just a soldier.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of From Here It's Pottable. Uh, Joey McGuire finally has his full staff in place, and they are hitting the ground running recruiting-wise, so Hunter and I have Ben Golan on recruiting analyst from com to discuss the the new staff and what they're doing out in the recruiting world. So, here we go. Hey, before we get to the podcast, I just want to do make sure I shout out our sponsor Prime Residential Mortgage Incorporated. They are the Lending with Passion division of Primary Residential Mortgage Inc. Whether you're buying, refinancing, or taking cash out of your home, PRMI can help. Rates are still near all-time lows, and our mortgage experts can help find the best mortgage solution for you. They can help you with purchasing your dream home, an investment property, a vacation home, whatever you need, they can help you with. They have locations all over the state of Texas, but they complete the entire process online and it's easy and, and they just love working with fellow Red Raiders. They can be reached at p r m i raider at com through the website at www.lendingwithpassion.com, or by phone at 214-736-9466. So get in touch with them for, for any of your needs for anything like that. What's up, everybody? Welcome into this week's episode of From Here It's Potable, special episode. We were able to, uh, to, Hunter and I, were able to track down the one and only Benjamin Golan from RedRaiderSports.com. I mean, I know he's just been out of his mind busy since uh, Joey McGuire took over. So, uh, first off, Hunter, how's it going? It's going good. And then we can't waste, I'm just not going to ask any follow-ups because we can't waste any more of Ben's time. Ben, how are you?
0: How's it going, guys? Thanks for having me.
1: And that's a total lie. We had to wake Ben up from a nap to even get him on this podcast, so. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's, uh, but that's, I mean, that's part of the reason we had you on here for one is the recruiting stuff. And then two, we know you were, you know, this, you basically assembled this coaching staff in your mind before it came to fruition. So we wanted to, you were basically a seer in that sense. So we needed to, we needed to get your insight.
0: Well, I mean, what, what do we want to talk about? The the staff in general? I mean, I know both of y'all were pretty excited about it as well once it became final. I mean, and you're already seeing the, the early returns um, on the recruiting trail. So, I mean, pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, and I think that's one thing is, you know, the three of us would text and, you know, we'd send names and Hunter would immediately just just, you know, start making fun of us, you know, like y'all are out of your minds. There's no way this is going to happen, no way that's going to happen. And, and sure, a lot of that did not happen. You know, uh, Bill Biedenbow is not our offensive line coach, and Quinn Ewers is not our quarterback. But, uh, now that it's all said and done, Hunter, how do you feel about it? I love it. Yeah. I mean, it's,
2: I guess, for so, DeRooter, if you would have told me, um, just at the outset that we would get him, he'd have been my first choice as a yeah. coordinator. Um, I thought, and there seemed like it, it, it was the case that uh, Saravo, the he was at Baylor Panthers linebacker coach, was McGuire's first choice. So yeah. I was obviously deferring to McGuire. But it, but if you didn't, if I didn't know that, I mean, to me, that it's the best on paper defensive staff I could have dreamed of, really, from yeah. uh, Derrider standpoint, and then Marcel Yates. I mean, we are just a graveyard of defensive coordinators i mean it's it's just got to be the worst job in the country
0: yeah and
2: and and i and i hate to say that but it is like we we for good reason keith patterson took a lot of shots but he's got his name is in the mix as the best defensive coordinator at tech in the last decade plus and that's not necessarily a compliment for him it's just the reality of the situation uh you know like who would it be maybe art kaufman but Art kaufman has the record for most yards ever allowed in the history of NCAA football. Uh, So, I mean, is it David Gibbs? I mean, is it, yeah, it's probably Patterson.
1: I mean, if you just, even if you took, if you took the TCU game off of this year, well, for one, I don't, we'd be having, I think we'd be having a very different conversation because we probably don't have Joey McGuire as our head coach, but I think just the, the way the Texas game looked and the way the TCU game looked and for good reason, I think, there's no job that Patterson could have done that would have kind of redeemed himself because I think the three of us agree. For as bad as those games were, he did a good job overall.
0: Yeah, yeah I I agree with that. I mean, Hunter's posted before that those two games are the most unexplainable things that have ever happened, and they really are. But uh, I mean, just going back to Deruder, he his defenses at Cal were pretty legit and he yeah. came in, you know, right after Dykes was fired and, you know, they gave up a ton of points, a ton of yards. Um, and he turned them around pretty quickly. So um, bringing in Yates, bringing in a guy like, you know, Zarnel Fitch from TCU. I mean, it's a pretty strong defensive staff right there.
1: Yeah. And something that, and I posted this when, you know, when we kind of got the idea that DeRuder and Yates would be coming in from Oregon I think it would have been my first choice. Like I know you mentioned the Panthers linebackers coach was actually McGuire's first choice. And then it seemed like his second choice was Tony from ULL who eventually went with um, what's his name Napier to Florida. And so I had talked myself into uh, uh, the guy from ULL. I just lost his name. Um, Tony. I had talked myself into Tony because he seemed like the kind of up and comer that we like he would be a head coach in a few years that we wouldn't be able to keep. I wasn't super huge on the Panthers linebacker coach just because he had never called plays Saravo, uh, which I know maybe not be a huge thing, but it was just, and I, and this is something I wanted to get to is both of those guys though, you know, you end up and we'll talk about Kitley in a second. You end up with a first time power five head coach, first time college head coach. Now you have a guy uh, in Kitley who has, you know, less than five years, Coordinating experience at the college level, and so then you were either going to hire a guy who had never called the defense at the college level, or Tony, who had called it for what a year, two years. And so, to me, you look at a, you look at two guys in Geruda and Yates, who have a ton of Power Five experience, and I just think that was necessary. Once the staff kind of fell into place, and you saw how young a lot of the guys were, that experience on the defensive side and your defensive coordinator, I think, will pay dividends.
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, like you're, he's the perfect yin to Kittley's yang. Cause we, we, we had talked about it here is there like what you just mentioned that there was having the youngest staff and most least experienced power five staff ever in the history of college football was a bit daunting or, or a little scary, but that's not what, we're, what we have. And yes. for fit, you know, Fitch, I'd never even heard of, heard of him, TCU's defensive line coach, but yeah. And Ben can talk about this. I, I think, um, Adida, Adidar, Joseph Adidar, is it the guy who committed? Am I saying that correctly? I think Adidar?
0: it's Adidier. A, a a
2: okay. He's French. Uh, Ad- <laughs> Adidar, I'm just going to go with Adidar. Okay. Um, I, it's my impression that I know he visited and then he committed. I think he was coming to tech before this weekend. And I, I think we there's a defensive lineman in Alabama who we have a pretty good chance of getting. And it's, totally insane to me or just unprecedented that we this guy this defensive line coach at tcu can bring with him you know two guys they're and they're not just like random guys i mean like the alabama one McElpine, he's got three big 12 offers uh adidas is a four-star defensive end pass rusher something we we can't get ever it doesn't matter what's going on we can't get a pass rusher and he's you know just him coming to tech is they're just willing to blindly follow him i mean that's crazy impressive to me I mean that guy must be able to recruit
0: yeah Yeah. it's it's huge I mean just just on several levels not only do you flip a guy from TCU um I mean uh, did he air I mean he Michigan wanted him right like some of these like they're a college football playoff team um this is a guy that wasn't giving the previous staff even a, a look And then here comes Jeremy McGuire, here comes Arnold Fitch, and, you know, a week or so later, and and he's publicly committed now. So, I mean, it's big. And then you mentioned McAlpine from from Alabama. He just blew up at the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star Game um, several programs after him, I believe Oklahoma State, West Virginia. So, again, uh, another instance of you potentially taking a guy away from your competition.
1: Yeah, and the the thing about – I guess Fitch and Yates and Deruder is, you know, not only do they have this recruiting prowess, but you know, they also have coached at this level for a long time. And they have, you know, one thing that Maguire has preached since the moment he was hired was relationships. And so, you know, yeah, Yates and uh DeRuder, they've been coaching out of state for a while, but they both were at AM, they both have ties to Texas. And so I don't, you know, Maguire also hasn't compromised in his stance that like we are going to build relationships. We're going to build, uh, you know, we're going to have people who know the state of Texas, who recruit the state of Texas well. And so he was able to fill out this staff in a way that makes sense, that is already paying dividends, but is also staying true to exactly what he said from the moment that he was hired. And I just think that's, it's been impressive. There've been a ton of names thrown out there. It, it may have taken longer than some people have liked, but um ultimately and I guess we'll just focus on the defensive side of the ball right now but I think ultimately where you had to get it right who knows where it'll go but I think we can agree that this is one of the best possible outcomes
2: I agree yeah and then just on Adidar and McElpine assuming we get him I think it's safe to say that Gary Patterson knows what he's doing and and then kind of in a sneaky way the last couple of years, he's become as selective or even more selective than what Wells was in terms of taking high school guys. So if if these were thinking, what, how many, how many commits did CCU have like seven or eight or something? I mean, these were two of the seven or eight, nine guy high school guys they were willing to take Patterson was, I think he has a a clue of what he's doing.
1: Right. Yeah. And I guess that's something too I want to ask Ben is (sighs) It's been, I know it hasn't been very long. And we'll, we'll, let's do it. Like, we'll just stick to defense right now. We'll go to the offensive side of the ball, talk coaches and and recruits here in a second. But uh, recruiting wise, defensively, have you noticed a change, like a shift? Because it did seem like a lot of the, the previous staff, like, not only were they big on transfers, but they were also big on defensive transfers. And it seems like now there's more defensive high school offers and movement in that recruiting area than I've seen in years.
0: Yeah, it just overall, it's Joey McGuire's thing, Trader's message and wanting to build the program through the high school ranks, especially in Texas. Um, I mean, just the amount of, um, you know, defensive commits and guys that he's added. Um, I mean, it's a lot in just such a, such a short time. And you know, I don't think they're done before the early signing period either. But I think a, a big thing was just, you know, just more size up front defensively. Um, you can see that with like a sincere Massey, who's six five, a Harvey Dyson, who's six four. Um, I mean, we're talking about a Didier. He's not the biggest guy, but he's powerful and, and he can line up in all, you know all sorts of different places. But I uh, mean, it hasn't been again, too long
1: since we were taking one defensive lineman a class, you know, under Cliff. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just it's just crazy to hear you rattle off those names. We it took three, three last year,
2: year. and yeah. so we. I, went, I was going back and looking. I mean, we were taking like, th- if you look at two class like combos, we were taking three or four high school defensive linemen in a two year period. And this is going back for like the last seven or eight years. And we, and now, you know, now we we could have seven in the last two classes.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. You last year they took Duda Banks, Charles Esters, and Isaac Smith. Um, and now you already have three committed potentially. McAlpine, potentially even others, right? We don't know what Wednesday has in store, but um, it is, it is a lot of youth, but I I think, you know, defensive tackles, defensive end types, you you can never have enough. You got to find guys who can play at the big 12 level um, until Tech can have those consistent players at those positions. You know, it's hard to have a really strong defense. I mean, think about the teams that are really good, that really strong defensive lines. So Um, I mean, you you just, you know, I I just see this as McGuire. He opened his press conference by saying he wants to recruit high schools. Here he is doing that.
1: And something, you know, that Hunter and I have talked about on this podcast a bunch is like, you don't, you don't have to recruit with Texas and Oklahoma because Baylor doesn't Oklahoma state doesn't Iowa state doesn't. And yet they take the guys who fit their system, who they know they can turn into good players and I think that's what you see with, you know, already what you can see with McGuire and his defensive staff, you know, like none of these guys we talked about, I, I can't imagine that they'll make a big impact in 2022, but that's not really the point. And, and I think that's, that's something that people might need to understand is like all this recruiting hype and stuff is good. And you can tell me if I'm wrong, Ben or Hunter even, but I don't think any of these defensive linemen will necessarily like, be contributors next year, but in two, three years, that's where you see you know the defense taking a huge step forward, the defensive line taking a huge step forward. And I think the short-sightedness is what's killed this program for quite a few years.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would say generally, I agree. You want to give linemen a, a redshirt year, but it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, we saw just last year, Philip Leedy, you know, played as a true freshman. So, um, I mean, it just depends who all stays on the roster. Um, and which one of the young, you know, the young guys steps up. But, yeah, overall, I would say the, the defensive backs that are coming in probably, you know, wouldn't see too many of those guys, too. You know, in the Big 12, it's just a tough, tough place to come in and play early.
2: And I just want to – one thing I was kind of looking at today, uh, post-Tuberville era, if you look at our, like, on-paper recruiting classes and how they're ranked among the sites – I think it was like 2015 is maybe our best one, and it's and it's a, it's a farce because the three best players is JF Thomas never stepped foot, Connor Dyer who I don't know what happened to him. I think never, he had like to
1: medically retire.
2: Never did anything, and then yeah. Fahoko who was a hit and played yeah. like every single snap, embarrassingly as a, as a true freshman. Yeah. But, this but like in in a month uh, and this doesn't surprise me what surprises me about this is it doesn't surprise me that mcguire is is going to have the best on paper class since tuberville left and it's and i'm and i'm not shocked i mean are you surprised at all by that i'm not
1: it's all and i texted you y'all both this earlier is like I think it's going under the radar because he's made it look so simple. And and Ben knows the ins and outs more than we do, but it, it hasn't looked like forced. It hasn't looked difficult. It hasn't looked unnatural. It's just I'm here. Players come here. And it seems that simple. And Ben, you can like, is he doing something behind the scene, like some kind of magic trick or is it just that's who he is?
0: It's just who he is. It's the relationships. It's being early. It's being first. It's being consistent. Um, I mean, just to, to that point, look at, you know, obviously we have Sunday day Wednesday, but look at the 2023 class. They offer a couple of guys who have no other offers um they commit to tech rivals looks at the film oh these guys are badasses here's four stars like right. and, and i mean this is what they they did at baylor too it, it's really not a surprise these guys have connections they have you know the eye to to see talent and and they're really good closers too so uh, i i would say i mean that, that's it you just have to trust your evaluations and that, you know that brings success
1: all right before we go to the offensive side I want to ask both of you, uh, we talked a lot about the D line, but what, you know, linebackers secondary wise, what do you like, I guess kind of a, a multiple part question you can choose to answer any of the parts, but is there a recruit that you're excited about coming in that, you know, either the, the linebacker from Gulf shores, or like, to me, is it Marion horn, Morian horn, the guy from Oklahoma, like the four-star, I think we want to play corner Ben or safety. Perfect. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited about that. Um, so, you know, recruit coming in or just, you know, something that with the new staff and, you know, not D-line related that y'all are excited about. Hunter, go ahead.
2: Uh, I mean, I don't know if he's going to be any good or not, but I've watched a lot of Gunter, and I, I like that quarterback, Hutt Graham. Yeah. I mean, that dude is a player.
1: Because he's going to play safety, right? I,
2: yeah, is that it? I don't know. what he's going to play? I hope he – I mean – I was telling, I had some fantasies of us getting Quinn Yours and our whole quarterback room leaving and him being like our backup quarterback next <laughs> sure. like, the, the year. Guy that guy's good.
1: Yeah.
0: He, he beat Baron Morton in a playoff game last year. So, I mean, he could probably, you know, play some quarterback too.
1: Yeah. What about you, Ben? Well, non D line wise, what are you
0: looking at? Yeah. I mean, you mentioned the linebacker from Gold Shores, Tavares Elston. His film is just really fun. But uh, I mean, Ty Cano from KD. Yeah. But just overall, I mean, at linebacker, I think you lose, you know, so many snaps with Colin Schooler and Rico Jeffers. I'm just kind of looking at Krishan Mayweather and just hoping he stays for another year because that would be really nice.
1: Yeah, and he played really well to end the season. He might – I know Schooler had, like, the the splash plays, but it seemed like anytime there was a run stuffed up the middle, it was always number one getting off the bottom of that pile. So, yeah, it we're going to need him to stay – and that's another thing. That before we move on to the offensive side, is like not all, like, and you've you've uh, tweeted this a few times and posted about it on the board, Ben. But we haven't had any decommits still, and still no. Oh,
0: one, Jocelyn um, Malaska. Right.
1: Okay. So there's one. We've had one decommit, and then still no transfers. Which I know Hunter. We've talked about we need some transfers, but I, I like like if we want a guy like Merriweather to stay. I like our chances just based off what's happened so far.
0: Yeah, no doubt. That just goes, I mean, that goes back to the, to the program. I mean, Wells did build a strong culture. Sonny Cumby kept it through the tr- transition and, and now Joey McGuire is doing the same thing. So that just kind of speaks to that, but with Malaska, I mean, I, real quick, I would say that, you know, yes, he, he decommitted, he, he flipped to Utah. Utah's a really good program um, going to the Rose bowl, but, You know, I I just don't think the the coaches were you know too upset about that one. You know, we'll see that they'll find other targets.
1: And yeah, that that is what it seems like. All right. Well, before we go to uh, the offensive side of the ball, Hunter, you
2: got anything defensive wise? Uh, So, I mean, my understanding is that Wallerstead runs three three man defensive line. Right, I mean that's what I mean. Waller said. Uh, I was about to say, right? why? What? <laughs> what? Why are you talking about Waller? Well, the, the reason why is because you know Waller set was linebacker coach for deruter when he was the defensive coordinator at Air Force. Yeah, and I don't I don't know this to be true, but uh, I think when we hired Cliff, you know his his connections weren't weren't very strong, and and maybe we missed on defensive coordinators, and he probably asked, you know. DerRuder, who was the coordinator at AM when Cliff was there, hey, you got anybody? And he's said, Well, I know this crazy guy, in the Air Force, <laughs> calling the defense. And so I know Waller said ran a three man front, yeah, um, yeah. And so I'm assuming that DerRuder will as well, and that's what uh, McGuire kind of said in his opening press conference. He wanted to run, and it's so, and it seems like we have, I guess you know Bradford and Hutchings and Blee and some of these guys. It may not be that necessary to kind of throw some of these guys into the fire so that's they, they can get a year the, the guys that we're signing right now you know to kind of progress before we have to rely on them
1: yeah I, I definitely think they're gonna run a three-man front but I I mean what I've watched of DeRuiter is it's pretty multiple and it's hard to kind of I mean Oregon had Kayvon Thibodeau and so you almost wonder like what was he doing just for him so i it's going to take some like I need to go back and watch some of those games early in the season when he was hurt to see kind of what his philosophies are. But I think we can, I think we can assume it's going to be a three-man front. Cause like you said, McGuire's mentioned it several times. That's what they did at Baylor and were successful doing it. Um, which also means we're going to need to find some, some legit nose tackles <laughs> like Baylor has had, like Iowa state has had just big bodies. So hopefully they can, uh, they can find those. Um, but offensively, you know, one thing, even my wife was talking about, like, everybody seems. I think she said something like, everybody seems to be really happy that we hired Kitley. You know, Zach Kitley from Western Kentucky, former uh, coach here at Tech. And she was like, usually people are, you know, <laughs> some people are mad about that. And I was thinking, like, it is hard to find detractors in the Kitley camp. Um, but I know, like, Ben, that was your first choice. So, like, what was your what was your thought process on that?
2: They'll show themselves when we go three and out. Our first <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, there's no doubt about that.
0: <laughs> yeah, just, you know, just looking at his offense and just, you know, not like I sat there and watched every single Western Kentucky game, but just, you know, seeing different plays. You know, I watched their game versus UTSA in the conference championship. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, just, just getting back to, to a system that, you know, I think can be productive. I, I, you know, it, it really does look similar to Cliff. Um, and and we know how the cliff era turned out. You know, defense was the big problem there. I think you can, you know, you have visions of if you can combine, uh, you know, a a defensive minded head coach like Joey McGuire, you know, with bringing Tim DeRuiter and and, and an explosive, you know, passing offense, I think it, it could look pretty good. So, um, and again, he's, you know, I saw some people post, you know, let's get. You know, a young Lincoln Riley is what they called him or whatever. Get him before he blows up. Right. So uh, and and he's a tech guy, too. So, I mean, hopefully, you know, if he does well, he he sticks around a few years. You got to you're going to have to pay him probably better so that he doesn't go get a, you know, G5 head coaching job somewhere. But um, I I just like the possibilities. I think, you know, just looking at the numbers. I know you watched the tape, Taylor. Yeah. Um, So and you were pretty excited too, you know, after seeing that.
1: Yeah, and I mentioned earlier, one of my biggest worries about hiring Kidley was the experience factor. Like, I didn't think he could run an off. I wasn't worried about his ability to run an offense, to call an offense. I just thought there was something about Sonny Cumbie having the experience that he did that was important for a first-time head coach in McGuire. But like you said, I mean, I've spent the, the better part of three weeks watching Western Kentucky. And like you said, it is very similar to Cliff, which was kind of – it was it was just like – putting me back into a totally different mindset, which was weird. Um, but I mean, what he did, he took an offense that was awful last year and turned it into like one of the best offenses in the country in, in almost no time. And so it's, I mean, it's, it's just unbelievable almost. And, you know, there there's reports out there, there are sec schools offering jobs, big 10 schools that were offering him jobs. And, you know, to get a guy who is, um, who is you know wanted by other programs but wanted to be here uh, is just a good feeling. And not only does he want to be here, but like he's good at what he does, you know. And so that that's reason to be excited. But I know, like Hunter, what were you like? I know well, we got one,
2: him. we got him on the cheap too.
1: Well, yeah, and I know me and you were like I said, me and you were pretty excited about the proposition of Cumby staying on. But I know like you're like me, it's not like we had
2: anything against Kitley. No. And, and you know, I think we kind of if, if you're not familiar with the EPA, we talk about it on here a lot and it, it's expected points added. But what it does, it converts yards to points. So like on third and one, you know, two yard gains are not created equally on first and 10, a two yard gain isn't that good. On third and one at the four yard line going in, it's amazing. Yeah, and, and the EPA captures that value. And his their his rushing EPA was terrible last year per play. And so like, but when you look at the numbers, his yards per carry was not that bad. I yeah. mean, it was it was pretty good. And and it, and when you compare it to prior Western Kentucky teams, it was an improvement. They didn't run it very often. And so if you're looking at total yards per game, it looks bad because they barely ran it. And then, but the, on the EPA side, what it, what struck me is that they didn't have any long runs. Yeah. I think that in the first, their longest run in the first half of, of this in 13 games was 15 yards. And, you know, like for, you know, our techs EPA per rush was, was really good because yeah. we ran it pretty well in the red zone and we were constantly busting like 50 yard runs and, uh, I, so i don't know if that like to me kind of some of the busted plays i don't know you're you're kind of the the scheme guy but um i don't know if that's personnel you know if like personnel was kind of restricting that or or if that's something you know a, ne- a negative about his, his scheme I, I think i tend to think it's more of a luck kind of factor you know you make one guy miss and a seven yeah. yard run is a 68 yard run uh, yeah but uh, so that that's kind of the, the mystery there's they weren't busting any runs and then they were terrible in the red zone Running the ball inside the the twenty yard line, and and so that was that was kind of the issue. I don't think that's it's something that's going to plague him, you know, for for the rest of his career.
1: Right, and it is a weird deal because pass protection. That offensive line was incredible. Like there would be twists and stunts and blitzes, and they they were passing, you know, guys off from one to another, switching when they needed to switch, dropping when they needed. I mean, it was. It was like choreographed how well they could pick up a blitz, how well they could protect Zappy, the Western Kentucky quarterback. It was unbelievable. And then you watch them in the run game, and it wasn't that there was just blown assignments. You know, it wasn't that they weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing. It was just, like you said, maybe it was luck, but it was like that defensive lineman is just better than, than this offensive lineman. You know, they, everybody blocked down, you know, if they were running power, the guard pulled and he was just stonewalled in the hole instead of creating a hole. And so, you know, I don't know if they were, if, if they had just, I don't really know the history of Western Kentucky recruiting, like which guys did Kitley and Hamby bring in, which guys were already there. So I'm not sure if he just recruits guys who are, you know, Pass pass pro specialists, and they're going to try to teach them to run block. Or you know, if that was just the guys that they had, I don't I don't really know what their philosophy is. But when you look at the run game, to me, what I like to see is you saw all kinds of different schemes. You saw zone schemes, you saw gap schemes, you saw it out of all kinds of formations. Um, you saw it with an H back, with a tight end, um, with two tight ends, even. And it wasn't the same thing over and over again. You know, we're pretty familiar with the everybody block down tight end h back come across kick out the guy on the line of scrimmage well they did some of that but they also would lead with their h back they would uh, pull their h back on a counter um, they would just have him line up in line as a tight end and and block you know base block and so it was i think we're going to be okay run game wise because my ultimate review of West Kitley, sorry, not West Kitley. He's the track coach, Zach Kitley. Is that he is like he's a pragmatist? Like if we can run the ball well, we will run the ball. If we can't, we won't. You know, just like he did at Western Kentucky. So I'm not, I'm not worried about it, and I'm less worried about it after watching it. Like I know the stats say one thing, but uh, well, that, and that's what's so weird, Hunter. Maybe you can speak to this a little bit, but like, why did? why are like the football outsider stats, the, you know, stuff rate, the power yard rate, um, the line uh, yards gained, uh, whatever they, you know, you know, the ones I'm talking about, all those ones, like they all rank in the top 20, like, so they were good at, at certain things. And then their EPA was like negative 0.017 or whatever it was. So I, I don't know you know why those things were like that. Do you know what I'm talking about?
2: Yeah, it, it's it is odd and so just one of the one of the football outsider stats that you mentioned was standard down line yards per carry yeah that's what i was looking for <laughs> and that's first down second and seven or fewer and third and four or fewer uh and i think what he was doing is kind of goes to your pragmatist uh ph- philosophy about him but you know, like first and 10 he'd run and get three or four yards, which is is going to show up really good on this standard line yards per carry. But from an EPA standpoint, it's not really that great. If oh, that yeah. And it's just kind of situationally
1: what, is different.
2: Yeah. And so, and then EPA is kind of goes to if you know, throwing the ball is just going to make you look a lot better when you get yeah. a more effective way of scoring points. So if you're running the ball a lot, uh and, which he wasn't, and that, and that's kind of another reason I want to or, or touch on his sample size. Like, he didn't run it that much. And so if you have, you know, a couple negative yard runs, it's going to skew it. Whereas with tech, we're running it quite a bit and we're popping off 50 yard runs, which are going to, you know, uh, say so he, he's not running for, for big plays. He's not running it very often. And so and we, all it takes is one second and six negative three yard carry. And like, that's going to really, really set you back. And it's not going to get offset by gaining four yards on first and 10. Right. That's kind of, because you're right. I mean, it is – the numbers aren't bad. And when you look at even third and one to three to go, they attempt – they had 31 attempts, which is crazy low. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy low. Uh, and they gained 22 first downs or touchdowns in that. And that's good. I mean, 22 yeah. out of 31 is not bad at all. And that
1: that is weird because what while you were talking, I was thinking of, you know, all the, all the games that I watched. And there were a – and it makes sense now. There were a ton of times where, it, you know – they just get blown up for four yard losses. You know, it was second and six and now it's third and 10 because the run, I mean, it was, it was just, I don't even, it wasn't even like like somebody obviously missed an assignment. It was just a D line, just D lineman, just like kicking somebody's butt or a blitz timed perfectly. Um, So that kind of, that makes sense with the EPA stuff as well. Um, You know, looking at the guys hired offensively, you know, other than Kitley, uh Ben who are you looking at like part of the offensive staff are you like excited to see, you know because Emmett Jones was kind of Cliffs ace recruiter and now he's back on a staff full of recruiters so is is that the guy you're looking at on the offensive side of the ball that's that's kind of going to bring bring the studs in or what are you looking at
0: yeah he's probably the big name i i just i just want to say we just talked about offense for like 15 minutes and didn't mention a single quarterback so there's there's that, but um, yeah, I mean Emmett Jones, he's been around the conference. He's been at Tech. Uh, he brought in Ezukama, brought in Sirajic Thompson, brought in you know several other guys who are some of your best players. So um, I would say you know you got a couple of inexperienced you know other staff members around him. You know Josh Cochran from uh, Austin P. and 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 Stephen Hamby coming over from Western Kentucky with him. Uh, I mean, DeAndre Smith, keeping him, I think, was pretty big. You know, Absolutely. he's done a good, a good job. Done a good job with the running back room. I think a lot of people were happy about that, and I'm with them. I agree.
1: Yeah, the quarterback is a good, a good, uh, I you know, thing to think about because I really don't know how it's going to shake out. Like how the room, I cannot imagine Morton, Smith, and Shuck are all there at the start of fall camp in 2022. But I also I'm having a hard time figuring out who's not going to be there, you know? So I don't really know what to think. And honestly, like, I'm, it's a weird spot to be in because I feel like I'm good. However, it turns out, you know, I obviously want the young guys that we signed from high school to stay, but I know Shuck is talented too. So I don't know, Ben, what are your thoughts on the quarterback room?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. You know, we all have kind of our ideas of who fits in what system I think, you know, it's weird because you have a bowl game, right, in, like, two right. weeks, and I, I expect Donovan Smith to start and, you know, play in, in Cumbie's system. So, like, how much does that carry over? Uh, I don't really know, but I, I it'll be interesting. I think Baron Morton is kind of the, the you know, highly recruited, just came out of high school prospect that – and, in, you know, if he's the one who won that job, I think that would be probably best case for Tech, but I don't know what that does with, you know, with the other two. I mean, Tyler Shuck, he has the arm, he has the talent, you know, got hurt. We didn't really get to see a lot of him. Um, So it is, you know, a huge question that has to be, you know, answered.
1: Yeah. Hunter, what are you thinking quarterback-wise? I would make Shuck a pretty significant
2: favorite. to Really? Yeah.
1: Even though Donovan's basically been the starter, like going to finish the year as like QB1. Yeah, that's and I think I make. think
2: a new staff kind of helps reset the board yeah. somewhat. But I, I mean, I would I would have it close to seventy percent that he's the um, starter game. See, one.
1: I would almost I would have said he's the most likely to not be here next year. <laughs> so that's
2: kind of funny. And well, and the, the that other thirty percent is probably him not being here. You know, it's right. not like yeah. Uh, whereas some of those other guys. You may not get the job, but stick around. But before we leave, so Emmett Jones, to me, Emmett Jones is one of the biggest indictments of the prior staff because right. we wrote a $600,000 check, I think. I think it could have been negotiated, but on paper, at least, right. we wrote Kansas, a $600,000 check, which is essentially how much we're paying our office of coordinator. So one year's salary for offensive awesome coordinator, just That's for the oppor- opportunity to hire a wide receiver coach, we paid an equivalent amount to bring a coach back that we did we didn't retain a couple years ago. Yeah. I mean that that to me is just mind blowing. And we didn't retain him to hire a
1: guy who left before the season started,
0: right? A couple of weeks, yeah. Javon yeah. Bonite, yeah, to Oregon. So just yeah. a disaster. Uh, I don't know if y'all, y'all saw this, there was a, there were, I mean, a Kansas newspaper or, you know, some reporter somehow got hands on Emmett Jones's contract here. It was three years, 1.425 million. So just under half a million a year. So I think Emmett Jones, you know, big winner in all of this.
2: <laughs> now we're paying, well, he didn't get the 600 to Kansas, but you're right. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're got to raise <laughs> for one year. We're paying him almost double what we're paying Kelly. Oh. Yeah, that's him in Kansas. Yeah,
1: it's wild when it, you just lay it out like that, like the just the turn of events. Um, you know, I was thinking, you know, after watching some of Kitley's offense, like I said, for the past couple weeks, I was wondering, you know, who's going to benefit the most besides the quarterbacks, because I do think he's like Cliff in a sense where he puts quarterbacks in a really good position to succeed. And we've seen it. I mean, Mahomes cr- seems to credit him, and y'all correct me if I'm wrong, but Mahomes seems to credit him as much as he credits Cliff with his development and, you know, his ability. Um, and so besides quarterback, I've been thinking, who who benefits the most from Kitley's hire? I don't know if you all have any – if you do, shout them out, because I'm still trying – I'm still trying to think, like, do you all have any ideas on which guy going in – like, to me, the, the one who instantly comes to mind is Miles Price – I was just be- say that. Okay, just because of what the Stearns brothers did at both Houston Baptist and um, Western Kentucky, it, he just seems to be—he just really knows how to use that—that—that um, that, that slot receiver position. And honestly, like something that I love this about Cumby, it drove me nuts about Yost, and it's—and I think it's, I think Kitley's even better at it. Is he? He thinks like I need to get this guy ten touches. Here are the ten ways I'm going to do that. And I'm going to make, like, I'm going to scheme these open. And I think he does that as well as anybody I've watched extensively. Um, but what do you, what are all what are your thoughts on that? I guess Ben kind of agreed with me. Hunter, what are you thinking?
2: Yeah, I'd have Miles Price in there. And then as a comma, too. Right. right? Yeah. I'm looking yeah. at a uh, passing performance by distance. And this is from uh, like Sports Source Analytics. And it's breaking down like Kitley's offense last year and just how like balanced it was in each like sector of the field, you know, zero to 10 yards on the left side in the middle. And then you go 11 to 20 yards downfield and then 20 plus, I mean, but 20 plus yards downfield uh, his offense was very effective and they threw it in the middle of the field a ton. And that's what this, that's what this graph was trying to highlight was how, how well he used the middle of the field. And I think I'm just thinking, you know, as a comma is going to probably benefit from the entire field being threatened you know yes. not in and uh, instead of having to move him around which i think cumby did yeah. to try to get him opportunities we can just maybe put him in one spot and 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 have him go and and it not be a situation where the defense is having to is so easily able to just kind of neutralize him uh cuz cuz the entire every part of the field is threatened by Kittley yeah. cuz he throws it a lot all over yes, the yeah. place. Yeah, and that's something I noticed. I mean,
1: even he, you know, people would try to do the the double cloud drop 8 against him. And it wasn't as effective because you still had to cover every square into the field. You know, like he would run, he would run like a fade and a wheel towards the same sideline like that's hard to cover you know even when you're dropping eight guys that's hard to cover and then he would have a seam down that same hash and like you really have to be disciplined if you're going to cover all of that um speaking of the middle of the field though i'm really excited to see what he has in store for a guy like mason tharp you know just like a a monster six eight six nine whatever he is he seems like he grows an inch anytime anybody talks about him but uh he i mean kitley would use his tight ends which i think is something that people were worried about um and so but he didn't have a mason tharp and so uh ben what do you think have you seen anything or thought about anything with with kitley and tharp
0: yeah i mean the i think tharp's potential is, is just sky high um i think he had a really good freshman year you know with the inconsistent quarterback play and all that i mean especially when you factor that in but yeah, I mean, Tharp and then, you know, one other guy, just to tie it back to recruiting, I think would benefit a lot, would be Major Everhart. Um, if he does decide to flip. Yeah, I think that the potential of, of a guy with his kind, kind of speed and size, I mean, you know, I, I think it would be almost like Kiki QT-ish, how, how he was used. Um, you know, I think that has a lot of potential. But as of, you know, this recording, he's still committed to TCU, so we'll see. Yeah, I mean,
2: Kiki was an image Jones guy too, wasn't he?
0: Possibly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Batson. Look, I know Kiki tweeted about it when the hire became official. He quote tweeted it and added how much he liked it. Um, you know, because major plays running back now for Tascosa. And so, you you, I, you know. What, what I, kind of – what are the offense they run? <laughs> I knew it was going to go there the moment that he's – yes, they run some stupid offense where you never know who has the ball. It's all congested. Uh, but anyway – um the uh so I I could see Kitley just using a guy like him, whether it's Everhart or somebody else they bring in, um, using him all over the field, you know. Like you saw, I compared it to how the Cowboys use C D Lamb. Like he, you know, Tony Pollard was hurt in the game on Sunday, so they put him in the backfield and toss him the ball, you know, get on the edge, get in space, they throw bubble screens to him, just they any way to get him the ball. And I almost I could see Kitley doing a similar thing there. Um So just kind of like what we did defensively, Ben, what do you like offensively? What are you noticing about recruiting so far under this new staff? Is it any different? Are they you know highlighting types of guys that you've seen?
0: Well, just O-line, I think that's been a big position that they've tried to bring guys in that they're gonna continue to, you know, through high school recruiting and also the transfer portal, I could see them taking, you know, multiple you know, portal offensive lineman, just because you need the help, you know, with, with Stormont leaving, with Berger leaving, with Dawson Deaton leaving. That's a lot. It's a lot of snaps, a lot of production. So, um, so far they've added one commit, Eric Gray uh, from Amarillo. Um, I think they sit in a good spot for a guy like Seth Martin from Everman. And, you know, they're still trying to get a couple of other guys, but uh, once they wrap up the high school class, I would say portal for O-line. I you know, both lines of scrimmage. We talked so much about D-line, same thing for O-line. McGuire knows how important those positions are. So uh, that's what he's doing.
2: I have, I have a question. I saw the number of, it was like 22. Was someone like put that out there? They, they heard from the staff is like the number of guys we're taking. Was that high school only?
0: Yes. Or? Yeah, okay. hi, high school. And, and and that's by February too. They're not going to have 22 by Wednesday.
2: Right. Okay. Have, so that that yeah. doesn't count the transfer. So when I'm looking at 15 guys – high school. We have two transfers that 22 is only talking about the 15. It's not, that doesn't, it's not including the two transfers or other transfers we're going to get. I believe so. Yes. Okay. That makes sense. Cause I, I was, that number like blew my mind it doesn't make any sense why yeah. we would <laughs> only have room for 22 transfers and high school signees.
1: Yeah. And I, I think Ben's right. I think you're going to have to take some offensive line transfers for bodies. Like y'all could disagree but I think the offensive line is in worse shape than the defensive line, bodies wise. Am I crazy? Probably.
0: No, you're you're probably right. I mean, earlier we talked D line, just the amount of young guys they have. Hunter mentioned seven signees, you know, potentially the last two classes. So, yeah, I mean, O line, you just got to get older there. You got to get better there.
1: That's that's wild to me. I would like to see them add some speed and i know king the receiver who's going to sign in february like he's known as a speed guy but i think that's something like we have the height on the outside and the tight ends but i I think you know we need some speed in addition to miles price but i'm I'm excited you know this whole podcast like i was excited about the staff and the direction and i'm even more excited now thinking about it um let's see i think that's all i got hunter you got anything else any questions no. for Ben while we have him here? We were able to track him
0: down.
2: Anything on basketball? Keep
0: your head on a swivel. <laughs>
2: yeah. are, we signed, uh, are we getting any more high school guys? I, I,
0: I think it's a possibility, yeah, but, but you know, we'll have to we'll have to see.
2: For this, for the 15th?
0: Well, the basketball signing period was oh. uh, no, November. Yeah, now it's just football and okay baseball, I think, and maybe some other sports.
2: No, well, yeah, so basketball, we play Arkansas State tomorrow, and I was listening to Tech Talk, and, like, Chris Level was acting like Arkansas State's really, really good. I don't know much about him. I know they had that one guy we wanted, Desi Sills. Uh, yeah. I don't know if we passed on him or not. I, think, I don't think we did. I think he just went to Arkansas State. But he was saying that they would be the most athletic team we've played besides Providence, or maybe, like, equal to Providence, but not as athletic as Tennessee. But we were 24-point favorites. So yeah, that's, what, that's what I was about to say that I didn't. I mean, I may, maybe, but I, I kind of like the spot if you're going to take bet against Tech coming after Tennessee and before Gonzaga, and if they're as athletic as as he thinks they are. Um, But yeah, and then we got Gonzaga, which will be an interesting matchup because they're just loaded uh, yeah. and have kind of stumbled around lately. But I know. I still, wish that
1: they wouldn't have stumbled. I wish we kind of caught them while they were riding high.
2: <laughs> but speaking of hits. And, and, and at positions that we don't hit on with batcho i mean we have not had a freshman big guy we've we've missed on like the last 10 of them it seems like and it does not appear that we have missed on batcho which is incredible um, well didn't for, you tweet you
1: tweeted or, or put it on the board something about like his combined minutes played and then
2: how much he played against yeah. i mean that yeah, plays, he's yeah, he played, played more which which to me is an indicator that our staff is is as surprised as we are because he he played in absolute blowouts. He played the first three blowouts. He played about as many minutes combined as he did in a really close game, obviously overtime in the Madison square garden against Tennessee. And he played really well. I mean, even going back to the incarnate word, he's been effective. Like he's impacting the game and he's a, he's surprisingly athletic. I don't understand how we are able to get away with, using O'Banner, Bryson Williams and Bacho 25 feet from the basket switching everything and then guarding guys who are really good off the dribble and like we've now kind of we've thrown it out there and if if anybody could have you could have you know stressed our defense it was Tennessee. I mean yes. we're not going to face many little shifty guards uh that like like they had and it just it wasn't affecting us. I don't really it's I think it's our length, you know, we can get beat and we can recover. And then the nature of our, our defense is getting beat. When you play that side defense, you're, you're willingly let them, letting them beat you one way. And, right. and it's, there's all this built-in help. And so it doesn't really uh, put us into a tizzy like it does other defenses. When you get broke down, it's like, Oh God, you know, for us, it's expected, but even with all that considered, it still kind of shocks me that Batcha is guarding some five foot nine point guard 30 feet from the basket and he's not yeah. fouling him and it's nothing bad's happening. That was something that I
1: noticed. It wasn't just him camping out in the lane and blocking shots. I mean, like they got him in the matches, the mismatches they wanted him in and he was fine. Yeah.
0: But, yeah. It, he, it, he sh- he's showing why he was one of the top European prospects last year. I mean, he didn't play at Arizona. He got hurt, um, you know, whenever tech got him, it probably didn't, you know, make the front front page news. But I mean, he, like, like Hunter said, he's been one of the, you know, the best players on the team and he, he earned all those minutes that I would agree with, you know, you said the the coaches were shocked. I mean, I'm shocked. I think everyone's shocked. So.
2: And, and wasn't the story on him, he, we kind of took him as a way to appease Bryson Williams in a way, right. where, look, you're, you don't have to play center because we're going <laughs> to, we're going to assign a center. Look, right. You're not, you're not going to be the tallest guy on the team. And so we'll just, we got a guy, we're just going to bring him in. And if he if it if he works out in a couple of years, great. If not, we got Bryson Williams, and that turns out he's like might be, you know, a twenty five minute a game guy his his first year. And we haven't
1: we just haven't had that guy since the final four run. And so it it's just I think it I think it's really not necessary, obviously, because we've had yeah. talented teams. But it I think it helps that no middle defense so much more when you do have a guy at the rim who can kind of, you know, deters the, like, if he's not switched onto a midst, you know, on a mismatch out on the perimeter, if he's, if Batcho's in there, I mean, I don't know. It's obviously a deterrent, but we also saw him against Tennessee a few times. Like he was late to the help, but still blocked the shot, you know, from behind. So he's 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 very athletic. (laughs) Yeah. It was, it was incredibly impressive. And, it made me more kind of worried about where this basketball thing was going. Um, But the, you know, as ugly as that Tennessee game was to actually win a close game to win an overtime game has gotten me kind of back on the back excited um, to see where this thing goes. So, um, well, I know Ben's got a Phoenix Suns game to watch uh, and I can hear my baby crying in the other room. So um, y'all got anything else real quick before we get out of here? Nothing. All right. Well, I appreciate Ben for hopping on and Hunter as always, but we will see you guys next week.